And so it begins. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. You make me want to be a better man. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Watching the Right Movies with Arnkowski Brothers, the podcast for people who like mainstream movies and are looking to maybe expand the horizons a little. I'm Ben, and this is my brother, Nick. Hey, everybody. All right, Nick, I've got some very easy history questions for you. Answer them as quickly, easy way as possible, okay? Okay. Why did we fight the American Revolution? We fought the American, I think I know where this is going, but we fought the American Revolution to, uh, uh, because to, of taxation without <laughs> representation, and we weren't going to take any grief from some poncy wig-wearing king anymore. <laughs> exactly. Why, yeah. why was World War II fought? Oh, boy, that was because of expanding fascism, and uh, there was this... Um, Charlie Chaplin impersonator <laughs> who thought the world would be a lot better if he murdered everybody. So uh, we, we tried to stop All him. All right. Why did, we fight, why did anyone fight World War I? There's not an answer to that question. That is a, that is, there's no besides, reason. Besides like Archduke Franz Ferdinand getting assassinated. That's, uh, Somebody's cousin got killed. And, and, and then Europe, everybody thought, Europe went crazy. <laughs> let's just went nuts. Uh, uh, we tried to stay out of it, but... Um, they dragged us back in. Yes. There's no reason. That is, and I'm glad you brought that up because as we get on, as we talk about today's movie, uh, there is no reason. It's not a, it, I, I. Well, and I'm sure a historian would be, I mean, there is a reason, but there's not a clean, easy, simple there's reason. There's not a good reason. And there's not a good reason, quite honestly. If, I mean, if you grant the premise that there could be a good reason to go to war, there's certainly not a good reason for World War One, and uh, we because I think one of the reasons there are so many movies about World War Two is they often refer to it as the Noble War, the Necessary War, the last certainly global war in which there was a really compelling reason to do so, uh, a fight between good and evil. World War One just seems like a fight against uh, between everybody. Nobody really was quite sure what they were, were especially fighting for. for us as Americans that we didn't have all these European prejudices and weren't mm-hmm. really in on the politics that were going on that caused it. And being fair as well, we didn't. I mean, we were only involved for yeah. a year or so. Uh, right. But yeah, it's it's crazy time. So that brings us right into today's movie, which is a World War One movie from 1957 called Paths of Glory. Uh, had you ever heard of this movie? Before? No, I had not heard of it. And so, yeah, the only the only World War One movie besides this that I know of is actually a pretty famous is All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> Uh, best Picture winner, uh, right. All Quiet on the Western Front. Although there's a couple versions of it, which all of which remain unseen by me. By the oh, way, really? Well, we had, we had to watch it uh, in history class at Roosevelt. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, did you learn why? Why we fought World War One? Did you get any insight? <laughs> Do you remember anything? Did you watch the '34 version or the other version? Oh, man, I don't know. It was in color. Okay. It was the colorized one. <laughs> That's probably the the. <laughs> The newer version, although I don't know much about that version. I, again, because I, I don't know anything about them. There are some good World War I movies, including one of the best movies ever made called Grand Illusion. Uh, well, but that's almost it's crazy now. Most people think of that as a, uh, a World War II movie because it was made in 1939. 
it was certainly predicting World War II and sort of, uh, it's a great movie, and we'll talk about it. There's parts of, of uh, uh, Paths of Glory that remind me of Grand Illusion. Oh, uh, yeah, so I, I had not uh, heard of Paths of Glory. Uh, did anything jump out at you as you watch the opening credits? <laughs> the director. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, okay. I, so I had no idea what this movie was. Put it in, I'm like, ah, oh, black and white. <laughs> and then I'm like, man, oh, I wonder boy. who directed this. I wonder why Nick chose this. And then I see the director... I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I probably should have known that. But so, and this, well, you say that. The director is Stanley Kubrick, uh, of course, the famous director of 2001 A Space Odyssey, Dr. Strangelove, Full Metal Jacket, et al. Um, and this was one of his early, his first really big Hollywood production, or second really big Hollywood production, anyway. Uh, brought along quite a bit by its star, Kirk Douglas. He's terrific in it, uh, and uh, really the movie that made his name more than anything else. They, this was the movie that heralded him as a great filmmaker, and I think it's one of his very best movies. But like you say, you know, the the to your point, I think if you asked a lot of people, many of which who might even self-identify as Stanley Kubrick fans, have either not heard of this movie or not seen it. It's certainly the least seen of his masterpieces in my opinion. It's battling Barry Lyndon, which I think is one of his very very best movies, as the least seen uh, of his really great movies. It doesn't have the same cultural cachet as A Clockwork Orange or 2001. Uh, or sh- certainly The Shining, which people watch over and over again. People watch that movie backwards. <laughs> so, uh, But it is the story of World War I in France, a uh, French div- division uh, led by Colonel Dax, played by Kirk Douglas, and they are in the trenches, and they have been ordered by their by their superiors to capture the Ant Hill, uh, which is a German outpost, impregnable German outpost, and they try, and everybody dies, and who doesn't uh, go back to the trenches, and then are therefore for not either dying or succeeding uh, are labeled as cowards, and three of them are randomly selected to be on trial for their lives uh, for cowardice, and there's a kangaroo court in which Colonel Dax, who in civilian life was a great lawyer, uh, defends them uh, to no avail, and it is bleak and Super depressing. depressing. Super depressing. Uh, and the, the, the message is war is pointless, and um, I don't not, know if it's even worse. I think it's points. more life, is life and human beings are awful, <laughs> and we do horrible yeah. things to each other. Oh man, that's yeah, right. I, I didn't. So it's uh, it's a pessimistic downer, yeah. although it is infused, and I think especially early on with some of that dark humor that Kubrick yes. is sort of known for. It certainly pervades in um, uh, Doctor Strangelove because a lot of it is about the absurdity, not only of war, but the absurdity of, I mean, these men were, once they were given the orders to uh, attack the anthill, they were basically sentenced to die because if they either were going to die trying or get tried for their lives for failing. Uh, And it's a, it's really an expose on the, absurdity of the of the military system and there's a reason why it was 
uh, banned in France, certainly, until the mid-70s, well, uh, and in other places in Europe as yeah, well. After I watched it, I looked a few things up on it yeah, and saw that, because it was based on a book, uh, and right. yeah, the book and the movie were banned in France because they make the French military look very bad, although... And I, I don't think it's necessarily about no, the French military. No, it's about military in general. Uh, especially right. because none of the actors right. are French. I like, and they, I think probably smartly, no one attempts to make a French accent. To do, no. I mean, they all just, and it's I, like America. You, they could have been Americans, except they, except they wear Americans. the French type military hats. They wear the, they wear the French hats, uh, and some of them have French names. Yeah. Uh, the characters have French names. And I get, yes, you're right. It could have been Americans, although I don't believe that the producers would have put up the money yeah. had it <laughs> to been make Americans. Americans uh, trashing the French is always good <laughs> yeah. business. Uh, but I mean, but I think. The the decision, and I, I think it's wise, too, not only from a performance level, but also uh, since it's not just about France, it's about militaries in general, uh, the the choice of not have accents is, makes it more universal. Um, although it also, in, you know, I was thinking about that, because now, if you look at something like Schindler's List, which also takes place in a the similar theater, they all have accents, but they're all English and American mainly British actors, but why does it... I mean, they're not speaking German or French. I or think it's a, what difference does it make? I think it's make? a strange decision you have to make as a director. Is How do I like, deal with like, this? I mean, you could go the full quote-unquote realism route of have everyone speak the language they would have spoken, which right. you'd that's, have to switch back and forth. That's gonna, and, I mean, just for the reason of making yeah. it more authentic, or you can have them just speak a language we all know being understanding they wouldn't be speaking American English. Uh, and right. then, yeah, do you have them make an accent, which is like you're going halfway there. Uh, yeah, and I think people expect the accent. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they don't know. I mean, I imagine it's possible that you think this is, it, uh, you could think that this is American military until the middle of the movie when it becomes clear that, I mean, when they say we're French and all that kind of yeah. thing. But I think it's interesting that you never see any Germans. No. So it's not... I mean, the, there's a one fantastic battle scene in the middle of this movie when they try to capture the anthill that is harrowing and really, in my opinion, un, um, unparalleled until save, almost saving Private Ryan in terms of the uh, gritty realism of it. Uh, it doesn't have quite as much grit, and I think that's a but that's a that's a special effects thing, not necessarily a filmmaking thing. Uh, you never see the enemy, quote unquote. No. So the 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 other message is clearly that the enemy is not the enemy; it's us. Yeah. Uh, what you know? It's human beings in general. Yeah, and so you say that there's a great battle scene in the middle of the movie. We should point out that's the last battle scene of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the only battle scene. There's well, there's really there's a little only, bit. It's not a war earlier. movie. No. So well, and again, so keep in mind, I went into knowing nothing. See that it's called right. Paths of Glory, which That's sounds right. like this great rah-rah, <laughs> go-America yeah. war movie. Expecting uh, John Wayne to yeah, show up. I see Michael Douglas's father. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> which, by the way, this is I, I feel bad for Kirk Douglas because I feel I'm watching it. I'm like, this is a guy doing a Michael Douglas impression. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, which is just, yeah. I, honestly, it's the first Kirk Douglas movie I've ever seen. So... Right, uh, but anyway, but so it's like it seems like, it, and it starts out as a war movie, and then halfway through it becomes somewhat of a courtroom drama type movie, and you're done with the war. 
they move on from the battlefield into the courtroom where these three guys uh, who are not not great guys necessarily on their own, but they're certainly innocent of what they're being right. uh, accused of. Uh, and it's just sort of, you keep expecting, because there is a, there is a uh, last minute, 11th hour revelation, and you think maybe that's going to save them, and maybe in a more traditional yes. movie it would yes. have, uh, but no. Yes, yes, uh, I did no. think, I thought they were going to get saved, I'm not going to lie to you, I really oh, no. thought they were going to make it. Uh, uh, I guess, uh, spoilers, <laughs> they don't. Uh, Which I think helps people, because I was, because yeah, you had... Oh, you said you were flummoxed by the fact, you were, you were surprised, as they're leading, as the three-minute extended shot of them walking to their deaths. Yes. You just kept waiting just to for someone to someone, come out and say, stop, stop. Yes. Or for <laughs> the, the governor has written a letter. Or, yeah. Or for Dax to maybe like <laughs> do something or something to have. Maybe no. like, I think even him to die, you know, Dax to be like, take me yeah. too. I'm Spartacus. Yes. <laughs> I did keep on expecting him to say I'm Spartacus. Uh, also directed by Stanley yes. Kubrick, by the way. I don't know I if you knew that. I did until uh, I, I, after this movie, in my research, that is what I found out. Although, and I like Spartacus a lot too. Although the the Kubrick people, who I am not, <laughs> although I really, I mean, Kubrick's. What am I going to say? He's terrific. But I, I'm just. There are cultists. Yeah. I mean, really upset. And I'm not one of those people. They don't like Spartacus by and large because it's the least. Cute. Well, he didn't like it, as I found out. He he disowned because it. he just did what uh, Kirk I told it. him to do. I own yeah. it. We, well, but the only reason he got to make it is because Douglas really liked his work on Paths right. of Glory, and the movie didn't make a whole lot of money. Paths of Glory. Because, as we've been saying, because it's not, there's no glory, and there's only really, there's fewer no. than, there's not too many paths no. either, and then it's, when the message is, when the marketing tagline is, people are rotten and the world is a horrible yeah. place, the, the turnstiles usually don't catch on fire for that kind of movie. So he really went to bat for him. Kirk Douglas did and said, I think this is a major talent. I want to make my next movie with him. Uh, After but he fired the other guy. That... Right, yes, As true. I, again, I just uh, found out. Okay, so yeah, you looked into it. And I like, I think that some of that restraint, uh, not restraint, some of that reigning in Kubrick on uh, Spartacus, I think works really well. And has a great performance, not only from Kirk Douglas, but from Peter Ustinov, who's one of my favorites. In Spartacus, but this, uh, and then pretty much after that, he said uh, he kind of had the, because Spartacus was a bit of a flop as well, uh, but it gave him enough cachet to pick his own projects and to make fewer movies. Uh, you know, towards the end, he was only making a movie every seven or eight years. Uh, whereas here, he made The Killing in 1955, this in 57, uh, uh, Spartacus in 60. And then you, then it's four to five year gaps every time. I don't. I guess that's not quite true. Well, but I mean, he just was a little more. He he had control of his own projects after Spartacus, uh, yeah, and it shows. Yeah. So this movie, the, yeah, there are parts. Because uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen. I mean, I've seen two thousand one. I've seen uh, Doctor Strangelove and Full Metal Jacket. So yeah, this definitely seemed like a precursor to Doctor Strangelove and Full Metal Jacket, showing Kubrick's very obvious opinion of war. Uh, mm -hmm. And there were parts that, although, again, for the most part, I did, it didn't seem very much like those movies, although there were parts of it to me, like the conversation of the two guys when they're talking about what's the best way to die. 
Uh, oh, right, yeah, right. And one says surprise, yeah. and the other one says, or is knife, getting yeah. knifed, being bayoneted, or yeah, shot. Yeah, like bayonet's the worst. And it's like, yeah, this guy, mm-hmm. you know, he wants it to be this, and I'm like, he's crazy. And they're, which seemed very Kubrickian, very much like you'd see in a Tarantino movie, for that matter. Like, uh, right. And what you, uh, again, I felt uh, was one of my favorite parts of the movie, just because it's like, these are what guys who are know they're going to die they talk, talk about, about to get through it. If it was, right, had it been more traditional, had it been the paths of glory in your head, it would have been, it would have, they have a bit of that as the general, or I don't know what his rank is, but the, the guy we really don't like, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, general, uh, general Paul Miro, who uh, is the, oh. the okay. sniveling, ambitious, uh, you know, is, is making decisions based on the, on the percentage count of body loss, like it's no, like it's a, like it's a board meeting for a business. Uh, and he's okay with 55% of the people dying. And it, it, he even gets told the, uh, the mission to go take the anthill. And he says, we can't do that. You know, it's suicide. And then the, uh, his superior offer says, well, there might be a, uh, another star in it uh, promotion in yeah. it for you. And then all of a sudden it becomes possible and he's going to try it. And, but as he's walking through the trenches, and the trenches are terrific. I mean, yes. the, 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 the art direction of the, the space is magnificent. Uh, he's saying, you ready to kill Germans? Are you ready to get out there and, uh, you know, uh, kill Germans? And all the guys are, you know, because it's their, their boss, effectively, you have to say, yeah, okay, right. But they are just so used to, so tired of killing uh, that's not what it's about for them anymore. Yeah. It's just survival and they're weary, uh, you know, and they, they can't get there. There's no room for rah, rah nationalism slash patriotism. Oh uh, yeah. And like he, he sees the guy who has, who's shell shocked and just doesn't, shell shocked. doesn't exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, right. There's no such thing as shell shock. He says, get this, get this coward out of my sight. Those sort of things. Uh, it'd be interesting. That guy might have gotten off easier than, some of the people who fought the shell shot guy, he didn't, I think he just got sent <laughs> yeah. home. Uh, he wasn't on trial for his life. Yes. So, uh, in that I mean, in the, in, in, in the courtroom, it's just so absurd. They're saying, did you try to take the anthill? Yes. Everyone else did. And they died. Why didn't you die with, I mean, yeah. it really just, it, it's this sort of abstract thought of, uh, why didn't you, you're coward for not for not disregarding your latent survival instinct. Uh, right, and the only the only it, sane it, person there is that is Colonel is Kirk Douglas Dax, who's like, do you really expect? Is this really what they're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, uh, and a lot of Kirk Douglas. So I think he really makes he's part of along with Kubrick uh, the as much of a part of the movie. I did a little bit of reading myself after watching it, and I've seen it before, but the uh, hadn't done so much research on it in advance of, of talking today. Uh, he really argued for, because Kubrick wanted a uh, even more bleak, uh, you know, <laughs> less of a heroic, and uh, heroic central figure. This is really the only hero in Kubrick's, traditional hero yeah. uh, in all of his movies. Uh, and Douglas really fought for that. And there's some, you know, again, the Kubrick cultists sort of make fun of uh, Douglas. He had a 
at a line in his contract that he had to be shirtless at least once in the movie. And you see there early on when they, they his first introduction, he doesn't have his shirt on. And so they kind of make him a sort of the Matthew McConaughey clause. The right, the the, the McConaughey clause, the all right, all right, all right clause. (laughs) Uh, But I think that having that uh, moral center and that heroic center actually makes the stark differences between what Paths of Glory is and what the title suggests that it is even stronger because uh, you get that sense that not that it's naive, but that the world won't even let that kind of moral center exist. It does everything it can to sort of smash it out. Uh, That doing your best uh, and being the all-American hero uh, or all French hero yeah. in this case yeah. <laughs> uh, is is folly, and it just a, it's an opportunity to humiliate you, to be humiliated by by the dark dark world. Yeah, because you're right. Because the other, I mean, the other guys, the guys who are in trial, you're right. They're not they're not heroes. I mean, they are innocent, no. but they aren't. The one guy actually is a pretty good soldier. Uh, the one who went out on the patrol the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's then there's the extra absurdity of his superior, superior officer selling well, him after out after murdering he, his friend on accident. Uh, right. Yeah. So that guy, but all the, you know, one of them, uh, you know, one guy, he's kind of, I don't know, I don't know if I want to call him slower, but he's just kind of the weird guy. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they're not great people, but they don't deserve to die, which is the point. But yeah, Dax, you know, Dax um, would have, like, he was, you know, trying to rally them. He w- was willing to die except right. for the dead body falling on top of him. Uh, and that mm-hmm. is a great, I mean, an amazing scene yeah, of him walking through the trenches and kind of like the backwards tracking shot of him. Uh, and there's a lot of those. And that's a Kubrick staple. Yeah. And those, uh, uh, but you get that. And I, there's two or three of those that are just terrific. Yeah. Uh, and I did. So I did see that uh, Steven Spielberg did say this was one of his favorite movies. Oh, I didn't uh, know yeah. That. Which I thought is interesting. Uh <laughs> Right, because you think of him as a bit of a pes- uh, optimist, and certainly, if there's such a thing as the g- nice Hollywood ending, Spielberg goes for it every time. I don't people again. I'm not so shocked that obviously Spielberg had a lot of uh, appreciation and uh, admiration for Kubrick, uh, but I am a little surprised that this is more than 2001 or. Uh, even Doctor Strange Love, which is so dark and actually ends with more deaths yeah. than this one yeah. does. Uh, but this is just a, there's nothing in the, the Spielberg canon quite like <laughs> no. this. Well, I mean, you, you would say uh, but that, but that doesn't Ryan, mean that. I mean, I'm. Uh, which you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it has some of the same absurdity elements. That's true. Yeah. Good point, Billy. Well, and there's also an element, Spielberg rarely writes his own. And you can, I'm a Spielberg, I'm a Spielberg cultist, yes. and uh, I like can like both movies. Yeah. It's not like you can... You don't need to choose. Uh, right. Uh, it's not like you need to, just because it's your favorite, It's you admire it, doesn't mean you have to make movies like it. Yeah, so. and so, all right, so back, so on the optimist-pessimist thing, so at the very end, and so maybe you could even help me. Yeah, let's talk you, about You can even help scene. me with this, because, yeah, so I'm watching this, expecting them to get, a, you know, get free somehow because right that's the other the worst part is he goes right he goes above the one general who we all hate by this point to the guy who mm-hmm. we don't hate so much and so you th- but he's the 
Because he he's well, but he's sort of like a fluffy grandpa. Yeah, so you think he, you although think he, he's ordering people to die. Yeah, you think he might come in and help, but no, he's just as bad, if not worse. Oh yeah, and he does do nothing, and he and does it, know this information, and he he uses it against the other bad general. But that doesn't do our mm-hmm. our boys any good. They still die. Right. That's the re- he gets the last minute new information and doesn't use it to save the boys, but does ultimately use it to knock down the colonel right. or the general who we don't like, the right. ambitious colonel. So everyone loses. And but that being and just as uh, Kirk Douglas Dax reacts to it, it's not satisfying that he gets knocked down because the the, the men are already dead. Right. So it's not retribute it's not his uh the the main the main general is trying to do it to curry favor with Dax and then bring him along in the fold, which then Dax uh, refuses in a, a scene that Kubrick wanted to cut, I believe. Uh, that big that quote unquote Kirk Douglas moment of him telling the oh. telling the general to go stuff himself. Um, well, but, was, but like you said, I think that was a good addition by Douglas because that at least oh. let us at least. Feel like have him say what we're all feeling, which is this is horrible. Some of that righteous, righteous yeah. anger, uh, it gets, it allows us to release that. But then he walks out in the streets of wherever they yeah. are, uh, and he's feeling dejected, as I'm sure you were, yeah. as I'm sure we all were. Uh, and he comes along this cabaret where a bunch of the men have, uh, have are there eating and drinking, and uh, on the stage they bring out um, a a young girl, German girl, and they're making fun of her. They're laughing about the way she looks. They're laughing. At, they're just having a good old time at her expense. Right, which, and they make which her Which by si- now I'm literally ahead. feeling the worst I've maybe felt in any movie I've ever seen because I'm already depressed by what happened. <laughs> really? And I was throwing in a completely almost out of the blue reason to hate humanity. <laughs> uh, to, because they're being cruel yeah. and they're being mean. Uh, um, and, and they and, make but her But to me, more importantly, they don't even care that their friends just get, got shot in front of them. <laughs> They, they're also having a, right, they've moved on. Good point, Benny. Hadn't thought of that. Um, and they make her sing this song, and she begins to sing it, and the raucous crowd then is quieted uh, to a solemn silence, tears in their eyes yeah. while they're listening to this song. So what did you think? This is a controversial, not controversial, but much debated final scene. Oh, really? What did you make well, of it? Well, so I... So I don't know what song is it a song that we suppose they knew or the, so I've been it's called the Faithful Hussar okay. or something like that. My thought on it, and I haven't read this anywhere else. I'm sure that it does exist. Like I didn't do a whole lot of research, but I read a lot about this final scene, and a lot of the theories were it disquiets them because it's so maternal and they just they miss their mommies or something like that, okay. and she becomes their mommy. I don't I don't. I think they know the song that they've heard the Germans sing it because they're a hundred yeah. feet away from the oh, other. Okay, and so I you think they've heard it over the lot over the trenches. My thought is they hear it being sung. The people that they've killed, uh, and so for them, it disquiets them because they've seen. They know the. It makes them think about all the miserable things that they've been asked to do and forced to do. And this pointless yeah. war in which they, more than any other, certainly before then, they've gotten to know the enemy in a certain intimate way because they're so close to each other. And it is, it is um, about, which I'm looking up right now, it is about a soldier, faithful soldier, and yeah. it's a sad song about a soldier and 
Lost Love. And she's singing it in German. German. Again, the theory is that they can feel the tone of the song, despite the fact that it's in another language. And I don't, I mean, again, it's up to interpretation. My thought is that they... They've heard it. It's not explained, and I don't think it doesn't I mean, need to be. you get out of it whatever you want to get out of it. They've just they've heard this before. Um, you know, it'd be it, and you know, it just it brings them back. They wanted this revelry where they could uh, forget about what they've been doing, and now they're snapped right back into it. Uh, yeah. So I felt it was a little. I guess I at first found it a little hard to believe, just because they were being so awful like seconds before. Right. Uh, yeah. but I've never been at war. And so I could think that could be mm-hmm. something that could snap you back to reality. Uh, cause I would imagine as soldiers, you know, they kind of have to use this jokingness about death to deal with right. it. And this kind of brought them back. I mean, brought them back to another way of just feeling the pain of another human being, uh, who they've captured. Sure. Uh, so I-, I thought it was good. It at least somewhat brought me back up a, a slight amount. But of course, then again, then we get told they got to go back out to the front, uh, and it ends right. with Kirk Douglas being, "Well, we got to, got to go back to this," which I thought was a, again, was not a super depressing. It was a realistic ending of, "Well, yeah, you got to get back," uh, but he lets them. He says he lets the singing go on. You know, gives them the slight mm-hmm. reprieve from coming back to the front. So that scene, which I love, uh, makes me think of two other. The, the only woman in the movie. <laughs> the only woman in the movie who went on to marry Stanley Kubrick, well, by the way. That is a great, that is a great fact. Uh, yeah, so that, her name is Suzanne Christian, and she would then go on to Christian, perhaps. Uh, she is German and met Kubrick on that movie and became Mrs. Stanley Kubrick. Uh, that makes me think first of the scene in Casablanca in which they sing the French national yeah. anthem. Uh, this has an op- the opposite tone effect because this movie, yeah. Casablanca is sort of a, because it's about World War II, it was sort of an argument for nationalism. And uh, this is most clearly an argument against it. Uh, and they have, it, it uses the same sort of song, whereas the, yeah. singing the French national anthem and the German bar was an act of defiance. This was, this is more of an act of, Common, I mean, they all got to know the song. Uh, they, it, was all, it brought them all together as opposed to divided them as French versus German. Uh, this made them all think of, this made them all human. Yeah. Uh, so it has the opposite effect. But it really makes me think of a scene in Grand Illusion, Jean Renoir's Jean, Grand Illusion, which we mentioned before, uh, in which the men are, they're in a POW camp and they are preparing a variety show for entertainment purposes. And they, there's a cross-dressing act. I mean, okay. as a jokey thing that the men will put dresses on. I mean, they're not supposed to look like women. It's a jokey yeah. thing. They're playing women in the act uh, as a joke. But the raucous crowd then ca- becomes... Com- a hallmark of comedy for all nationalities. For age, is generations. For, right. <laughs> is putting a man, an obvious man <laughs> yeah. in a dress. Uh, works when Bugs Bunny yeah. does it, works when <laughs> French POWs yep. do it. Uh, the, but they are all just, they all start raucous, laughing at it, uh, and then eventually become quieted like they do in Paths of Glory uh, because it's the first time they've even seen a person wearing a dress. It's been such a long time since even the idea of a woman that 
they begin to now realize how miserable they all are. So it does the opposite effect uh, of what they were intending. Uh, that's a really terrific scene uh, that I think I'd be surprised. I didn't see it anywhere, but I'd be surprised if Kubrick wasn't aware of it and didn't, because uh, this that scene is not in the book. Uh, not that I've read the book, but I, I okay. you know, that was an invention of of Kubrick's and his screenwriters. So uh, I think it's a fantastic scene. Now, depre- now I get a lot of grief from my friends and certainly from the person I married for <laughs> liking depressing movies, which I don't have any problem <laughs> saying that I do. I'm not a depressed person. I'm not a sad person. <laughs> Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, as a rule, I do not like depressing movies. Uh, almost, ne- I mean, I shouldn't say almost never. I just don't like watching depressing movies. Uh, but I was glad I watched this one. Not going to watch it again. <laughs> uh, it's not... It's not easy to... At least, yes, at least it's not long agony. Uh, but I thank you for introducing me to it. And so you're saying people should also check out The Grand Illusion uh, for another... And as another great World War One movie... Uh, and I think for our top five, uh, just because uh, we were talking about this, it's I wouldn't really categorize this as a war movie. Uh, it starts out a little bit that way, but then it's really more of a courtroom drama, if you will. Although even that... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I would say that's probably true, but uh, it. <laughs> I wouldn't say I would say quorum drama is just a is any movie that revolves around a trial. Which is what which this one does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, branch us out. (laughs) It's high on the list of anyone's, if it's on TV and you see it, you're going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> like there goes my next two hours because with commercials these. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> uh, okay. It's long. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Nick. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, again, you can check us out on iTunes on Nick's website at nickrinkoski.com, along with Nick's reviews of current and classic movies. Uh, we hope you join us back next week. <laughs>